Welcome to the Family Fright Night Horror Podcast. Hey everybody, welcome to the Family Fright Night Horror Podcast. I'm your host, Chase Will. Today I'm joined by Guerrilla Metropolitana, creator of the film Darius. How are you doing today? I'm very well, thanks Chase. Thanks for having me. Oh, of course, glad to have you. So I start every episode by asking, what is your favorite scary movie of all time? Um, there's no one in particular. There's quite a few. I mean, um, I always found more fascinating human horror rather than monsters or zombies. Um, I think one of my favorites is probably, um, even though it's not horror, uh, but it does contain horror, uh, Cannibal Holocaust. Oh, that's a good one. I like that movie a lot. It's really beautifully yeah. shot, too. Yes, it is. It is. It's a masterpiece of cinema. It's not just about gore. It's about the film within the film within the film. Yeah. Yeah. I was talking to somebody else about that recently. I like how the uh, filmmakers in the movie, the uh, documentarians, or how are you, is it documentarians? Is that what they're called? Yeah. 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 How they're like one way on camera and like a completely different persona off camera, like they're assholes. Yeah. <laughs> That was really it, it, cool. was very, it was very inventive because that was 1980. And if you think of the whole found footage subgenre, which came out later with the Blair Witch Project and many other films, that was the godfather of that. Yeah. And like the marketing yeah. strategy, too, it kind of inspired the uh, Blair Witch Project by having the actors yes. kind of hide from the public for a long time. Yes. Everybody thought yes. it was real. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. That was the day where... That was doing it at a time where uh, Italy was still able to make great exploitation films before turning to nothing. <laughs> yeah. Like, what was that one that I watched uh, recently? Uh, Salo or Salo? How do you say that? Yes. Yeah, Salo. Yeah. Yeah. That was yeah. a pretty good movie. It was, uh, not, it was nothing like the book it was based on, but it was still pretty entertaining for what it was. Yeah, it's uh, it was a 1975 film from Pasolini, which was a poet. And also filmmaker, uh, very anti-Italian establishment, mm. and he wanted to demonize with those four characters, uh, basically the Republican state of Italy. And he did a pretty good job because he put everyone. They put the church, he put the state, he put the nobility, all in one group, and tried to demonize them to show what these people really were behind closed doors. Yeah, and they were pretty hideous people too. Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, uh, that's what I'm referring when I say to uh, human horror, which is far worse than zombies or vampires or aliens or monsters. I mean, humans are, to this day, the most scariest creatures ever. Yeah. And uh, speaking of which, we're here to talk about your film Darius today. How would you describe that to somebody who's never seen it before? Uh, Darius, it's... um... It's not an average horror film as such. It's more like an experience, um, a cinematographic journey, a voyage of complete, total insanity, madness, gore, uh, sexual depravity, uh, and human demons, because the whole film is based on uh, the loss of this young girl and the effects that that has on the family. Uh, so we see all these erratic human behaviors in this household and uh, an additional character, which 
not going to spoil anything, which comes later, uh, which is so out of any possible, you know, idea of normality. Uh, But compared to the members of the family, he's probably the least of, you know, the least worst in some, to some extent, because uh, the level of perversion and, and ambiguity of each member of the family is so great that you wonder uh, what kind of cosmo you are, you know, when watching Darius. Darius is not a film that has the typical equation two plus two equals four. Mm-hmm. Uh, Darius is more like two plus two equals five and a half. Uh, it's a film that you can watch backwards, literally, and it will still make sense. It's a film about, you know, when the viewer does not feel like he's watching the film, but he's very much witnessing what's going on in the film. Uh, This film was rejected by three independent uh, distribution companies, um, horror companies, uh, due to the extreme content, particularly on a sexual level, uh, until uh, SRS Cinema, uh, saw it and they say we like it we want to buy it you know and uh because it's an interesting it's an interesting mixture of uh, avant-garde cinema uh mixed with extreme horror and uh hardcore sexuality uh and it's filmed using uh, meta cinema again uh hand camera uh from the person's filming so the public the, the audience is actually experiencing firsthand uh, the things that this character is doing. Yeah, it got pretty extreme in the third act too. Like the end of the movie is pretty hardcore. Yes, it is. It is. It is because <clears throat> it is because um, with this film, as I say in previous interviews, I didn't want to um, um, contain myself. I wanted to release all the valves of complete insanity. And um, and I think independent filmmaking uh, often uh, tries to imitate, to some degree, mainstream filmmaking, uh, just on a lower budget. What I wanted to do was a real independent underground film that could be not trashy, could be still artistic with limited resources and at the same time to be um, mad, crazy, real and uh, completely against any taboos, sexuality, masturbation, uh, necrophilia. Uh, It's all present in the film, but not for the sake of it. It's not sensationalism. It's part of the story because any human being, given the right circumstances, uh, could potentially turn into one of these characters. We are not immune to madness. The film is about madness, and nobody is immune to madness. Some people are more, um, you know, uh, prone to madness than others. Mm-hmm. And uh, how did you work with your actors on this? Because that seems like it's a really hard thing to portray. Did you have to go like school them on how to be like in character, or how did that work for you? Um. The main actress, uh, she is a stage performer from Italy, and she um, she played uh, character roles in independent 
uh, Italian horror films, but she never played the lead up to that point. Uh, when I proposed her to play the female lead in my film, uh, she flew from Italy for a couple of days. Uh, she joined me here in London and, um, and I explained to her that basically the role uh, did not involve classical stage acting training, but it was purely visual, uh, a bit like mimics, um, a completely different way of acting. And um, yeah, and that's, and that's what she did. Um, I don't see myself when they're acting performers as a director. I see myself more like a painter. I asked the performer, could you please pretend you're shouting? Could you please pretend you're crying? Could you please pretend you're laughing? And then uh, during the editing stage, uh, with my collaborator, I create through softwares, artificially, you know, um, created voices, multiple voices to add onto the scene. And, uh, and it's a very creative process because you are able to create the character you want just from the visuals. You can put any voice you want just from the visuals. And it's a, it's like building a person, creating a person out of his or her facial expression and body language. And would you say this is the most challenging film you've made so far? Yes. Yeah. I mean, prior to this, I've done short horror films and uh, one medium length horror film uh, about British film censorship and the elite. A very provocative uh, experimental uh, statement about the um, backwardsness of uh, British film censorship, which to this day, at least in Europe, it's like going back to Victorian times. Uh, you know, it's okay to bomb Iraq, but it's not okay to show uh, a penis completely erected because that might be unhealthy for uh, the audience. To me, it's all bullshit, excuse my French, because cinema should be about total freedom. And once you start putting a lid onto it, then where's the freedom? And who are some of your influences? Like, what made you want to be a filmmaker? Uh, there is no one particular director. I think there's more like currents. Um, definitely the French Nouvelle Vague. Uh, definitely uh, German black and white expressionism, like the, the old 1920s horror films. Um, American, but only the 70s ones. Uh, American 70s porn in terms of visuals, um, very grainy looking picture kind of thing. Uh, erotica, a lot of erotica, dark erotica, um, horror, definitely. Um, and, uh, and art house movies, uh, student movies from the sixties, experimental stuff, uh, that often was made, um, from various artists, which were not even filmmakers. They were just, First time, uh, cameraman experimenting with cameras and drugs. Uh, I think a number of things put together and paintings, a lot of paintings. My background is music and art. So to me, the transfer from those two art forms into cinema was quite natural. And um, this film... How do you handle like the gore aspect of it? Because there's a lot of gore. And what did you use for that? Um, well, the gore, uh, 
uh, all the gore stuff basically was uh, real animal guts, which uh, I bought from the local butcher shop. And um, there's one scene where one of the actresses uh, is basically, you know, massacred, to say the least, uh, through uh, her private parts. And old stuff comes out out of her. Um, that was interesting because uh, the reason why that particular shot worked is because the way the camera was positioned, but in reality, all those guts were that were actually placed under the actress, basically against their backside. So all I was doing was just pulling out uh, all these animal guts from her backside, but from sideways. But on camera, it looks as if it's coming out from her vagina. <clears throat> and uh, for people who want to be filmmakers, what kind of advice would you give as far as how to start out and how to actually pursue it? Um, I think... Um, I don't think there's one way. Uh, I'm, not, um, I'm not saying that film schools are not good. They are very good. But it's not the only way. It's not the only way. There are many great filmmakers in history that never attended film schools, uh, or maybe they only had one lesson or two. I mean, William Friedkin from The French Connection and The Exorcist, uh, he never been to film school. Stanley Kubrick has never been to film school. He was a photographer. And uh, Martin Scorsese, yes, he was in film, in, in film school. But I think... Um, if you have ideas, use those ideas. Don't just try to sharp your technical knowledge because uh, one defect, if I can use that terminology that I see these days, there's a lot of filmmakers that are great from a technical standpoint. But then if you see the type of stuff they do, uh they either they have very little creativity or they just don't use it it's all about showing that they are using a drone so they can have a, a, a cool camera shot from up above uh to show what you know i don't know a cat crossing the road you know uh, it doesn't say much uh when other filmmakers with a simple digital hand camera um, you know, they can just go out and start filming and come up with a story. Uh, I've always been fascinated by those filmmakers who could do much with little. Uh, it, it's fairly easy to do a lot when you have uh, a big budget and uh, expensive equipment and a huge, um, you know, crew supporting you. I'm not saying it's easy, but it's a lot easier. But when you have one or two people helping you, limited resources and just a camera, uh, I think that is the ultimate test to see how really good you are as a filmmaker. Because being a filmmaker at the end of the day means being a storyteller. Uh, take the you know taking the audience to your level. And let them decide according to the story you created if they like it or not. Another aspect of cinema, which I um, 
try to avoid is to create characters. For example, in my in my short films, and in particular in my film, Darius, where people sympathize for one character but not the other. Um, I call it, but without any hard feelings, the Steven Spielberg syndrome. Uh, because uh, in uh, he's a great filmmaker. He's probably one of the best in the world, without any doubt. But in all of his films, you know already who's going to be the good guy, who's going to be the bad guy. You know that you know, evil will be destroyed and uh, goodness will prevail. So you know already before you're watching film that at the end, it's a Hollywood ending film. Other filmmakers like Abel Ferrara, for example, or many others, you really don't know what to expect. If you watch The Bad Lieutenant, the original one, you certainly you don't expect an end, you know, an ending like that. And um, and uh, in Darius, I didn't want to create characters where the audience could just sympathize uh, or the opposite. I wanted to create a neutral ground where the audience could just be in the middle of it and be lost completely, you know, because if you start decodifying movies, then what's left to the audience? Nothing. I think you should make a film, create a story and give a certain numbers of combinations. Then it's up to the audience to find the right combination. And guess what? Not every film um, has a clear answer. Darius happens to be one of them. Uh, Darius can be interpreted in multiple ways. Uh, I've made a film, and to this day, I see different things when when watching the film. So I think that could be another way to explore, uh, you know, ways of storytelling rather than being uh, so straightforward, so squarish, like you know. Two plus two equals four. Uh, why don't we try make two plus two equals five and a half? Yeah, I like ambiguity in movies too, where things aren't so clear cut. I know sometimes it's kind of divisive for audiences. Like a lot of audiences like stuff that's very clear cut, you know, popcorn movies, sit in your seat, get fed what you're used to. I think ambiguity yeah, is uh, really important. Yeah, I mean, don't get me wrong, Jay. I mean, I like that too. I mean, uh, but when it becomes um, a habit uh, to create films, to make films that at the end, you know pretty much what's going to happen, then you spoil the surprise. I mean, I can't remember who say that, if it was Hitchcock or Francois Truffaut, but one of them, a long time ago, they actually asked them, uh, what is it that you want the most when you're making a film and it goes out, you know, to movie theaters? And the response was that the audience doesn't get up from the chair, not even to go to the toilet. Mm-hmm. That's a pretty big goal. <laughs> you know, that means if you can keep the audience watching the film to the very end with no distractions, um, you made it. You actually made it. Uh, and that's a pretty difficult thing to do because uh, at least I find myself often uh, bored. Not every time, but often bored when I watch, uh, especially certain horror films where 
they are the copycats of the other. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you know, I mean, especially for when it comes down to supernatural stuff, uh, you've you've seen the same thing 155 times in other films. You know, and you go like, what the hell? What is this? Come on. You know, you want to watch something that is inventive, different, you know, and um, at least make an attempt. That's my advice. Make an attempt. And there's no age. You can start being a filmmaker when you are 20, when you are 60. I started off only a few years ago. Like I said, my background is music and art. And, uh, um, you know, you can start at any age uh, if you have the right mindset, if, if you got ideas. It doesn't really matter what equipment you're using. And uh, as long as you are, you know, creative and you have something to tell, that's what I think anyway. And uh, before we close out, where can everybody find Darius and when is it going to be released? <laughs> Darius will be available uh, on Blu-ray for the American market from uh, January, February from SRS Cinema. And uh, in Europe, he would be available as a DVD, self-distributed. Uh, and also from this current month, it will be available also on a VOD platform called horror faces okay so yeah and uh yeah these three places basically on uh yeah very soon and um and the other good thing about darius in which i was very afraid of uh the srs bought the film without doing any cuts because that was the only thing that i was very concerned uh srs saw the film they liked it they said okay we're going to take this thing. Yeah, it's ours now. And uh, it's a five years contract. The Blu-ray will be coming out with features on the menu. And uh, and it will be an interesting journey uh, in the horror genre because, you know, it stands out pretty much on its own. It's not a typical horror film. It's a very polarizing film. Uh, some people are going to love it. Some others are going to think, what is this? You know, there's nothing in between, uh, which, I, again, I think it's a good thing because personally, my favorite films, uh, eight out of ten, have always been uh, polarizing films. Uh, you, you know, we mentioned Cannibal Holocaust is one of them. Cannibal Holocaust to this day, uh, if you read the reviews, uh, 50% are great reviews, but the other 50% are pretty awful. Uh, you know, again, it's a dividing film. It doesn't make everybody happy. Um, so I think Darius falls pretty much on the same category. People, certain horror fans, or, or even known horror fans that are into transgression, uh, certain type of uh, art house movies, uh, they might like it a lot. And others who might just think, you know, this is just weird. Uh, but that again, that's the risk you take as a filmmaker. And uh, do you have a website where people can find you at? Uh, at the moment, I am on social media, Instagram and Facebook. But in the upcoming couple of months, I will have my own website, a, an official Guerrilla Metropolitana website with you know all my stuff, biography, gallery uh, updates, uh, including the future uh works uh that would be the next one would be a short horror film called corporate torment 
And the uh, and the second and final feature film would be in a year time called The Benefactress, which uh, would be a, uh, an extreme lesbo horror film. I already have uh, uh, three actresses. One is from your country, from United States. She will be flying here in London next year. Well, that's great. Well, yeah. thank you so much for joining me. I really appreciate you making the time for this. Thanks, Chase. Thank you so much. Thank you. Well, you have a great um, night. Yeah, you too, Chase. Thanks so much. Thank you for having me. Thank you. Bye.